Hello and welcome to the Tally the Bases podcast. From new fans to seasoned statisticians, the Tally the Bases podcast is the baseball podcast for every fan. If you enjoy my content, I'd appreciate it if you let me know by liking my Facebook page and sharing this with a baseball buddy of your own. Today we are taking a deeper dive into advanced analytics as they pertain to pitching. In the previous episode, we talked about one of the fundamental concepts of spin rate, which tells us the number of revolutions per minute that the baseball has after the pitcher releases the ball. Today, we will focus in on some new and lesser known stats and metrics that are changing the way front offices see the game today. We will begin the episode by speaking about just how powerful analytics can be and a statistical explanation of how Corbin Burns and more broadly MLB teams have used them to fine tune the pitchers. Corbin Burns' emergence as a front-end starter in MLB has been one of the biggest storylines of the 2021 season. Most notably, Corbin Burns had a strikeout-to-walk ratio of infinity until last week. When he finally walked the batter, it was only after 58 consecutive strikeouts, beating out Kenley Jansen's record of 51 strikeouts without a walk from 2017. It is to be noted that if you're listening to this episode on Monday, May 17th, Garrett Cole is pitching against the Texas Rangers tonight with the ability to break Burns' record with only three strikeouts tonight, as he stands at 56 strikeouts consecutively without a walk. Corbin Burns' emergence as a front-end starter in MLB followed a common path through the age of analytics. Pitchers spend so much time perfecting their craft from high school to college and the minor leagues, but for many, the way they pitch at those levels can yield much less success at the highest level of play in MLB. The adjustments that any player makes, but most importantly a pitcher makes, can sometimes make or break their career. In the case of Corbin Burns, his time in MLB has given us a great example of how pitchers have used analytics to reevaluate their strengths and weaknesses in their pitching repertoire. Originally, pitchers took anywhere from a three to five month break in the offseason from overhand throwing workouts. In more recent years, pitchers have strayed away from this long of a break. With new research and more efficient and healthy training practices, pitchers are staying more consistent with their off-season throwing regimens. It's no secret that when throwing programs ramp up to near 100% in March during spring training, we see most of the season-ending injuries for pitchers. Reasonably so, some correlate this abrupt start to the injuries. The advent of pitching data has allowed pitchers to not only create efficient and powerful throwing motions, but has given them a way to track their progress and analyze a pitching session. It helps to feel good after a throwing session, but what really helps is to know exactly where you are in terms of reaching your goals. Corbin Burns started off as part of the Brewers rotation in 2018 and had some success posting a 2.61 ERA in 38 innings as a reliever mostly. In 2019, he continued his work in the bullpen, but was one of the worst pitchers in the National League with a dreadful ERA of 8.82 over 49 tough innings. For the majority of people following Burns, we were, we were all perplexed as to what the issue was. He clearly had the talent, and his ERA plus of 51 put him near the bottom of pitching rankings. Despite the runs he allowed, he had 12.9 strikeouts per nine innings, but struggled with command of his pitches, causing walks and unfavorable placement on some pitches, leading to 17 home runs in less than 50 innings in a glaringly problematic whip of 1.837, almost allowing two base runners per inning. While not the most important factor, Corbin Burns has had a fastball velocity in the 95th percentile since his debut in 2018. 
and upwards of a 30% strikeout percentage in his first two years as a reliever, well above average. Combine the fastball velocity with a highly effective changeup upwards of 88 miles per hour and the slider in the mid-80s, and the 2019 season just doesn't add up with the repertoire that Burns has. Clearly, when a pitcher has a tough season like Burns had, they go into the offseason with a strong sense of purpose to not let that happen again. Burns had LASIK eye surgery and hired a mental skills coach, to which Burns praises for much of his improvement in the following seasons. From a baseball analytics perspective, the major change we saw in Burns' new cutter was what made its way into ballparks into the 2020 season. Burns had been throwing a four-seam fastball that led to many unfavorable outcomes in 2019, and he replaced it with a cutter that hitters cannot follow. Burns' strength and power allows him to throw a cutter that is averaging around 95 miles per hour, just two miles per hour slower than his four-seam fastball, and has given hitters a fit ever since. In 2018, Burns used his four-seam fastball 58.5% of the time, and 52.5% of the time in 2019. While this pitch was thrown incredibly fast, it was also very hard to command. Burns dropped his usage of his four-seam to 52.5% in 2019, all the way down to 2.5% in 2020, and with that, his cutter emerged to account for 31.5% of all of his pitches, roughly a third. What followed this change was a sixth-place finish in the highly competitive NL Cy Young race, an ERA plus of 218, making him more than double as good as the average pitcher in terms of ERA, and making him the third best in the game in terms of ERA plus behind only the Cy Young winners that year, Trevor Bauer of the National League and Shane Bieber of the American League. He also had a K per nine over 13. In 2021, you can make the case for Burns being the best pitcher to start the season with his otherworldly strikeout-to-walk ratio, although Jacob deGrom still has a sub-1 ERA compared to Burns. Corbin has taken the lessons from his fantastic 2020 season and has bumped his cutter usage from 31% in 2020 to 55% in 2021, making it the fastball that he predominantly uses in addition to his sinker and a 20% mix of changeups and sliders. Burns credits the cutter with his great command and also great movement, as it become his primary weapon this season. Its main advantage is the movement which causes batters to whiff on the pitch, simply not being able to make contact, causing batters to strike out in an embarrassing fashion. Whiffs don't sound like a statistical category, but they are. Whiffs track swing and misses of batters with one of the most exciting names a statistician could come up with. One of the unique aspects of baseball is the calling of strikes. In sports like soccer and football, when the ball reaches a goal or the end zone, points are scored. In baseball, a pitch that is wildly out of the zone can be called a strike when the batter swings at it. While throwing strikes is at the forefront of a pitcher's intentions, being able to throw pitches that seem like a strike to the batter and end up in a strikeout or called strike after a swing is important in a various amount of situations in baseball. More importantly, whiff percentage, yes, that's a pretty funny name, it's okay to laugh. Whiff percentage gives us an idea of how powerful a pitcher is in their ability to deceive opponents. Swinging strike percentage takes all swinging misses and divides them by the total pitches seen. This is different from whiff percentage that just accounts for whiffs. And whiffs are technically the same thing as swinging strikes. Nick Pollock and Alex Fast of Pitchers List created a new metric called CSW, standing for cold strikes and whiffs. 
in 2018 to account for these statistics into one number. It counts a pitcher's called strikes plus whiffs over the total amount of pitches. From the simplest understanding of the game, a pitcher that throws strikes and gets a lot of those strikes into the catcher's glove instead of the player's bat is generally doing a great job on the mound. From a statistical standpoint, Pollock and Fast compared CSW, called strike and whiffs, with SIERA, which is simply just an ERA statistic that correlates with strikes thrown. They did this to prove that there is a strong correlation proving that called strikes and whiffs has merit for evaluating pitching outings. I will not go into depth describing how it was done as it is lengthy, but I encourage you to go out and take a look at the very well-written piece they have on their website at pitcherslist.com. They do some fantastic work. A lead average called strike plus whiff, or also known as CSW, is around 30%. And while like most data you want a larger sample size, CSW can be used to track pitchers' performances in individual games, but of course it is preferred to look at more outings for support. With their research, Pollock and Fast indicate that around 10 starts a pitcher's CSW begins to stabilize, making the stat more accurate. It can relatively indicate whether or not a pitcher had their stuff that day, but in bigger trends it can closely mirror performance. Okay, it is time for today's trivia question. Today's trivia question may be easier than others if you follow MLP closely. We know Corbin Burns throws his cutter at an average of 95 miles per hour, putting him second in MLB. Which pitcher has the fastest cutter in the game? So now that we have a basic understanding of how CSW can be implemented to evaluate pitchers, let's see how Corbin Burns stacks up. In terms of the overall leaderboard, Corbin Burns is in 7th place with a CSW of 39.3%. But first among starting pitchers, all the pitchers that are ahead of him are either position players with a few innings of work or relievers with anywhere from 10 to 20 innings less pitched. If you sort it by pitchers with 25 or more innings pitched, basically starting pitchers at this point in the season, the next two starting pitchers are Jacob deGrom and Garrett Cole with a called strike percentage of 36.8% and 36 0.4%, almost 3% under Corbin. As a disclaimer, Cole has 18 more innings pitched than Corbin, although Burns was on the COVID protocol list and missed a few starts. I think the percentage difference accounts for these missed starts, though. It is time for the answer to today's trivia question. Corbin Burns has the second fastest cutter in MLB at a staggering 95 miles per hour on average. The fastest cutter in the game comes in at a seemingly impossible 100 miles per hour from Emmanuel Clause of the Cleveland Indians. For those that don't know, Clause has worked his cutter up to stagging 102 miles per hour, resulting in a 99th percentile fastball that has movement. Good luck hitting that. For today's pitching preview for the week of May 17th, we have two pitchers with a sub-2 ERA facing off against each other in Brandon Woodruff of the Milwaukee Brewers against Danny Duffy of the Kansas City Royals. Woodruff is one of the league's most effective four-seam fastballs along with one of the league's best slider-curveball combinations. Duffy has an above-average curveball and slider that he has utilized with his four-seam to generate a call strike plus whip percentage of 30.3%, which is top 20 among a talented list of left-handers. It's also worth noting that on Wednesday, Corbin Burns will take the mound. 
Also on Wednesday, the Cleveland Indians' Aaron Saval faces off against the two-way phenom Shohei Otani of the Los Angeles Angels. Saval features an above-average curveball and slider that gives him a lot of favorable contact for his fielders. Otani features one of the most powerful mixes in MLB with his four-seam fastball that he can dial up to 100 miles per hour and an upper 80 slider in addition to a slow curveball down in the 70s. On Thursday, the red-hot Boston Red Sox face off against the Toronto Blue Jays. When Nick Pavetta tries to keep the Red Sox hot with his newly improved forcing fastball and curveball combo, he will square off against Steven Matz, who is unique in the fact that he doesn't really incorporate his fastball into his pitching mix. Instead, he works a changeup and curveball with lots of movement. To some, this seemed like a bit of an odd choice, but Matz is still above average in cold strike and whiff percentage. Both Pavetta and Matz have had a great season start, and I think and I think this is a matchup worth watching. I have an exciting announcement. I am partnering with Teespring, who will soon be known as just Spring, to create some Tally the Bases merchandise for all of you to enjoy. It is an honor to create content for all of you, and if you'd like to support me through my merchandise, I would be very grateful. The link is in the show notes. If not, thank you for being a listener. It means a lot to me. I would like to thank you so much for listening to the Tally the Bases podcast. Today's episode was so much fun to put together, and I demand that you go out and watch some great pictures like Corbin Burns. If you liked today's episode, please go ahead and give me a like to let me know, and if you'd be so kind to share this with a baseball buddy of your own. In the next episode, I will offer a recap of the season as we near the end of May, discussing trends such as the explosion of perfect games to start the season and the lack of offense as well. As always, thanks for listening and play ball.